welcome to Push to Talk, part of the Geek Freaks family. I'm joined today by Ty Abbott. Ty, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I'm very happy to be here. That's great. Uh, Ty is the developer for a couple great games here. We got, we're talking about Lucid Parables of the Ubermensch, great name, and RD Mars. Uh, those watching our stream were able to catch me playing some RD Mars uh, on Monday. And eventually I got decent at the game, but it took a sec. It took a little bit for me to get there. You can tell the soul's inspirations there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so before we go too far, can you go ahead and break down? Uh, RD Mars is our, our one we're going to really focus on today, but can you break down what's the uh, what that game is like? RD Mars, in a large part, is kind of a response to what I did with Lucid. As a developer, I tend to notice that my next project is very much inspired by the, my feelings of dissatisfaction with my previous project. Mm -hmm. Lucid, I think, was successful on many ends. I think it was mechanically interesting. I think it had it played with some interesting ideas. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure if you know too much about Nietzschean philosophy, but I tried to play with that while bringing in some of my own personal opinions about the nature of individualism. Mm -hmm. But I will say that on a large level, a lot of the symbolism was lost on a larger audience because uh, there was a lack of written narrative there. Mm -hmm. And that's a, that's a failure, I think, of a lot of higher art, that it doesn't have that lower level for a audience to engage with. So I decided I was going to take a crack at trying to do some script writing. In Artie Mars, um, if you've played it, there is a lot of writing that went into it. A lot yeah. of attention went into there to try to fill in those lower gaps of a, a cohesive narrative to build a wider world where you can engage with those topics. Right. Uh, yeah, you actually did a really great job there with, with the writing in Artie Mars. Uh, I was sitting there voice acting the lines, trying to go between different characters and stuff like that. Um, and, and there's definitely some unique voices coming through. Uh, you really start to realize different characters and, and identity is a really big deal in this game. Uh, mm -hmm. There's one moment that I, I really liked in particular where you are already Mars and you pass the mirror and you see, of course, you know, a different reflection, which was, I can't go a back and forth. Like, like that one. That's it was a, a cool... pain in the ass to get working. I bet. Like, uh, <laughs> it, it isn't actually a mirror. It's uh, if you go off screen, you'll eventually see a little disembodied head of Felix if you can use wall clips. But mm -hmm. I, Thank you very much. I did like that as well. <laughs> that was great. Um, okay, so let's talk about you as a developer. How long have you been working on video games? Um, I'm actually fairly new to this. I've been doing it for about two years. I, uh, uh, Thankfully, due to my circumstances, I have been very dedicated to that over the past two years. Uh, I've, been, I've been trying to... I, I could, I'm not sure if I could give an exact hour amount per day, but I have about a thousand and five hundred hours. No, mm -hmm. uh, that that's just for Lucid in a previous project. Mm -hmm. Lucid took about one thousand one hundred hours. Fire Macaw, an older project, which I'm not too proud of now, took about nine hundred. And RD Mars right now is coming up on four hundred. So okay. I've been working. I've been doing a lot. You can see this little poster board over here. There's been a lot of notes written. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, okay, so it, it takes a lot to develop a game, and you're doing this all by yourself, correct? Uh, yes. I um, the, the only thing that I haven't personally had entirely done by me is music. I'm not a great compositionist. So all that has been open source Creative Commons music, which I'm very thankful to the community for. But yeah, art, story writing, coding, that's all, uh, that's all been my work. 
in the process, is there anything in particular that you really gravitated toward? Have you found that you like the writing part more or the coding part? Uh, that's a, that's an interesting question because there's certain aspects of certain things that I appreciate more. See, like a coder would probably look at my code and be disgusted because I'm not <laughs> a very good programmer. Uh, like likewise, my art, while I think it's aesthetically pleasing, is probably not. You know, it's it's simplistic by design because I don't have the technical ability for higher level stuff. What I find is the most is my highest skill set though is that of being a designer. I think that where I find my stride is getting those cohesive pieces together. And in particular, being a designer, what I try to think of myself as, while not exactly, is trying to do some avant-garde stuff. Because in the indie scene, we have lower budgets, lower, you know, lower uh, risk taken with assuming financial risk. So I decide, well, hey, you know, in this scope, we have a potential to do something really interesting and do stuff new. Not all of, all of it succeeds, but, you know, taking that chance. Yeah. And, and it's your chance to really tell your story. Uh, what story did you want to tell through your games? What motivated you to tell these stories? No, that, that's something that I struggle with. And I'm not sure if I have a cohesive answer for, for all of art, but at least for me, I gravitate to a few different concepts that I pull at. The main, the main one is individualism. I find that very compelling. Uh, you know, it, it ties into some larger societal criticisms, which might be out of the scope of this. But in the core of a lot of the art I say, a lot of the art I make, I try to tap into themes and encouraging an audience to examine larger society and try to break away from it on some level. Uh, more, so, more so in a wider scope, because individualism isn't the only thing I like to talk about. I try to, I try to communicate things through metaphor and to try to tap into the human condition. Yeah, video, game is, video games are slowly becoming more mainstream and people are starting to see it as an avenue to tell stories. Uh, is there any video game in particular that you enjoyed in the past that might have been motivating to you in this development? Yes, so um, for Artie Mars in particular, I, I'll list two main inspirations. The first is Dark Souls, which you hear a lot of developers say they're inspired by Dark Souls. But yeah. when I mean that, uh, I, I tried to think of it more less so as like, you know, respawn points, like a lot of the surface level trappings of a Dark Souls clone, more so uh, a combat flow and a depth to their narrative. Like in Artie Mars, like you'll see like the rotate function speeds up your player slightly. That was definitely inspired by the dodge roll in Dark Souls. I felt that was a satisfying mechanical loop. Uh, Story-wise, um, the thing I would say I would be most inspired by, I would source as the main inspiration for um, Artie Mars, would definitely be Amori. Have you uh, played Amori? Have you seen it? Not yet, no. Okay, so a real brief overview. Amori is a um, narrative-focused JRPG that explores themes of guilt. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, what, what it does brilliantly, it's just a slow-boil game. It do, it's, uh, in a lot of ways, it's restrained, it's restrained in how it presents its story and tries to lead the player along a plot thread while slowly integrating them into the, this world to make the narrative points more thematically important. And it's, it's, it's a horror game. It's not particularly scary, but it's one of the most compelling stories I've ever heard. And uh, how it explored guilt 
was um, was very inspirational to, in the development process of Artie Mars, in particular with the narrative, not so much with the gameplay. Okay. Uh, one of the themes that I that I was able to pick up in Artie Mars is is uh, identities. One identity and what part do you take with you? Um, what from Lucid were you able to pull into Artie Mars? So uh, I'll, I'll talk about one scene in particular here with Artie Mars. I'm not sure if you uh, went to the exit ending. It's one of the doors on the left that you can choose to go through. I think I went through all of them, I'm pretty sure. Okay. And it's one scene where you see um, these, this, the main character, Mars. He's a little robot guy, has red eyes. And you walk through and you talk to uh, these degraded Marses, which are um, more, at least I try to communicate. It's kind of a small sprite, so it's not easy to show, but a more degraded mechanical Mars. And Mars, uh, his character arc isn't the most fleshed out in the main demo. It's more about Felix and any, anything that you know about Felix on some level informs you with the character of Mars, as people who play it will find out. Right. But Mars in particular, I want him to have a, his story will be, his character arc will be about assuming the identity of humanity. Is it what I want his story to be more so than Felix's story of, you know, overcoming his past? Mars, I want to connect with his themes of uh, reclaiming his humanity, even though he is a robot. And, you know, that's the central thematic element of uh, Lucid. Okay. So you're able to pull that 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 main thematic thread from one game to another. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, on a technological standpoint, was there anything that you learned from Lucid that you were like, oh, I can do better oh. and brought that to already Mars? <laughs> so much. Yeah. Where do I even start? The, the the first thing with Lucid, I this would this is a more art thing, but it's the biggest thing. I didn't know that about pixel scaling. Mm -hmm. So you see, like uh, in a lot of indie games, they look a little weird. Like uh, different sprite sizes are used. That's because they're not using a consistent pixel ratio. Because computers can go way smaller and way bigger now. You're not limited like you were in the 16-bit era. And Lucid, I was just throwing stuff all around, 8-bit sprites, 4-bit, 16, no no consistent ratios. That's that's the main one. Uh, Lucid, I, uh, I had never done menu navigation before Lucid. I had never done, uh, like, this is kind of embarrassing, but uh, in my previous game, Fire Macoff, uh, when you tried to save that game, it just broke, and I never fixed it. <laughs> Lucid was better. But that the save system was completely janked together from my um, my good friend Andre. He's a great programmer, much more skilled than me. He was able to get me set up there. Uh, Artie Mars, like behind the scene, is so much better put together. In particular, uh, one one final thing: uh, a common thing in code is to leave yourself comments to uh, right. refer to different lines to give yourself note like notes to explain what different systems do. Lucid had, um, I would say that about for every hundred lines of code, it probably had about two or three comments, which was which was very poorly done, and not not explained well, and it made the process of going back and fixing anything a nightmare. Artie Mars isn't perfect, but I would assume that a programmer that didn't know about the project would, at the very least, be able to manage. Yeah, so you were able to really kind of do the due diligence needed when when coding. To make sure your game can be picked up and carried on, and and even for yourself, it's always good to go back and see your notes and be like, oh, okay, that's right, <laughs> and yeah. be able to clean things up. Okay, 
Uh, all right, let's focus on RD Mars itself and and see. You were telling me you're about a third way done with this game. Is that correct? Um, I actually um, I have one of the thousand notes up here. I have a, a little plot diagram that breaks down um, certain the cores of the game, and I've broken it into acts. And the first yeah. act done so far. There's two okay. others. Uh, it's, it's ultimately going to be a matter of you know doing some marketing work and uh, getting on Steam, which is you know its own own pain. But at least for me, I'm thinking I'm about I'm about a third done. Third done. Uh, how much of that is is actually in the demo? Like, would you say the the demo is that third that's done? Um. I, w- I would say that in the final game, I'm hoping for um, about like 15, 20 levels. And I think there's currently oh, okay. um, four. So it's probably about more of four of the okay. final game. But, uh, you know, for the development side, I had to get all those systems set up, like, you know, right. player player mechanics. Level design is only a portion of that. Yeah. So once you get kind of the base level of like, this is what my character is, this is what he can do. The level design kind of goes a little bit faster once you get all those Little things and, done. Uh, as a designer, I make sure to spend the most time on character movement and everything. Right. I, I, I think that's a main uh, criticism that you can make against a lot of AAA and even indie titles mm-hmm. that they that they have so much pressure to be moving forward, moving forward that they when they get a player movement good enough, they stop. Right. Right. Yeah. There has to be. Yes. You, you have to create this player loops that makes a player want to keep going. Um, it's not just about let me see what's next. It's, it has to be fun to get to what's next, and uh, exactly. that's that's what's you nice. You have good instincts as a designer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, one thing I learned as I was playing um, as Mars, um, I kind of had the mentality of like, well, I'll just shoot and run, shoot and run the whole time, and then that spin move where you're able to dodge with it and actually bounce back the the ammo, the bullets, um, was kind of just an extra thing I didn't really need. You learn quickly. No, no, no. That's probably your actually most effective weapon, really, and. Right. Um, the shooting things just kind of helps. <laughs> you really got to set yourself uh, up. That's something that I try to. One, the one thing about the demo that's entirely complete is that after the demo, the player should be entirely ready to play the rest of the game. Okay. And the, the way that starts out is in the first level, your first enemies, you can beat those without spinning at all. Mm-hmm. And you could probably beat the entire game without spinning. But for a normal player, you could beat those with just like regular rotations and moving about. The level where you have the central turrets that don't move, but they just yeah. spray directly at the player. Yeah, uh, those you could probably beat by just spinning. You don't have to shoot those. Like mm-hmm. uh, those are supposed to be getting the player comfortable with the spinning mechanic. Uh, the the bomb level is uh, more so d- d- disconnected from that. It was a mechanic I was very excited to implement. Those uh, you can actually beat those bombs by uh, rotating as opposed to shooting. But um, the, the final boss, the Herbalite of Danielle, mm-hmm. um, he is supposed to get the player comfortable with shooting and rotating at the same time because he has one attack which uh, shoots bullets in all directions. So you're, you, you have to figure out some way to deal with that. Yeah. The, the, the turrets was the first time when it was like, oh, no, you're, really your only option is to sit there and dodge these or to bounce mm-hmm. these bullets back and stuff like that. Uh, I noticed the timing was just right. So if you're sitting there spinning multiple rotations, you're bouncing what felt like all the bolts back. Now, did you work on the timing of being shot versus your reflectability to make sure that those were timed out well? Yes. Uh, there is actually a whole bunch of notes written down somewhere into code. That's, uh, I think, I think the exact number of frames that it takes for the player to rotate and then get back into a shooting position is 12. 
mm-hmm. like um, that those like I'm not a designer that's obsessed with making everything perfect. Like a lot of the player character AI is not great. You know, it, it functions 99% of the time. Player movements, I'm very obsessive about and very meticulous yeah. about. Everything in there is done to the frame. Yeah. And, and, and you could tell it in the little things like that where you're making sure that, you know, because in a maybe poorly designed game, you'd spin, but you'd say, by the time it took you to fire up the spin again, a bullet got through. Well, that's no good. And this was just right. It was perfectly nailed where I was like, nope, I'm okay. I'm safe. I just got to keep moving. So I felt really good. Um, I would, uh, the, my, my design philosophy would be that a, a skill ceiling should be high enough to where a player, if they get good enough, should never be hit. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't there, but <laughs> I tried. I definitely tried. Oh, I'm not either. I, I still <laughs> die sometimes. Oh, man. Early on, I was just like, how am I going to beat this game? I don't get it. There's no chance. But again, I just that keep that respawn and keep going in. And eventually I got it down, was able to beat the demo. Um, but it definitely took some practice and some encouragement from stream. So I appreciate that for those who are watching. Um, well, thank you, uh, stream audience, for uh, getting <laughs> you to get through it. Yeah, I, I needed it. Um, uh, so, so you have that you worked on your character design, you worked on your character's movements and stuff like that. Uh, do you have any additional features you're going to add to him that you could reveal now uh, as you go through the levels, or is he kind of set the way he is? Uh, so one, one thing I do want to implement is some puzzle elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little disconnected from the player, but it is another like core gameplay loop. Uh, this this comes into God of War, which is uh, oh, yeah. maybe a bit of a jump here. But God of War, it has combat sections that are broken up by puzzle elements. And the puzzles aren't great. The puzzles yeah. are genuinely not the most engaging part of the game. Mm-hmm. But the contrast between the two of those makes the combat more engaging. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, I have a little outline here. I won't, it's very crude. But as yeah. you can see, I have uh, a little arrow rotating puzzle that I want to implement in the game eventually. That that might be a stretch goal, though. I'm not sure if that will be um, something that will make it into the final cut. But I um, I am very passionate about this, so something tells me I'll be able to get it in. Yeah. So adding puzzles to a game like this, where you're going from shooting to puzzle to shooting, what is the benefit of doing that? Uh, so it, it, it's somewhat served by the dialogue breaking up uh, combat. But when, like... Uh, in, in all narrative, and in games too, it functions, they think of a plot progression as not being a straight line upward, but, you know, a curve of weaning and increasing interest. It's, uh, it ties into, I forget, what, the Skinner box. The Skinner right. box is a psychological study where they put the bird in the box. And a bird who presses a button to get food, and it happens every time, they become disinterested in the button. When it only happens some of the time, they get addicted to the button. I don't want to get my design players addicted necessarily. I do want to make them engaged. Mm-hmm. And uh, that the differential from more easy, like low-grade puzzles that, you know, you can just sit there and think about for a little bit, as opposed to the kind of speedy and frantic combat pace of the normal Arty Mars. I would have to test it, obviously. I haven't started implementation. I could see some advantages to that, however. Yeah, and it's nice to kind of break things up so that you kind of have the heart rate high, drop high, just kind of like how mixtapes are that way too, right? Where you have mm-hmm. the slow songs and the fast songs, and it, and it keeps you going. Exactly uh, right. The story beats of this game have me hooked. So every time you entered into, I don't know how to describe it, I would say like their dream 
sequences. That's exactly right. right. I'm glad you got that. Yeah. And so you kind of go through the dream sequence. And then by the time you get to something, you really are like, oh, here we go. You're waking up, essentially. You're like, okay, let me get to this next level because I want more of that dream sequence. And uh, I thought normally in games, God of War is a great example. I'm combat, 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 get into a puzzle. Okay, that's my break moment. So yeah, it was it was really rewarding to get into those stories and it, it was broken up into what was what I'm experiencing as I'm awake. And uh, my best way to say it would be dream mode. Um, so that was really well done. Story-wise, where do you think we can go from here? Are you we're gonna I know you said we're gonna explore more into Mars. Are we gonna see more of Felix as well? Uh, Felix is the centerpiece of what I want to explore in okay. uh, RD Mars. Now, uh, I don't I don't want to get into spoilers, but just as a general overview of this character, and most people that play the demo, I think will get this. Felix in the past was a character that I would describe as being consumed by passion. Mm-hmm. To the ex- to exclude other aspects of his person, he uh, kept working and working to the detriment of both himself and the people around him. Right. And ultimately, that left to his folly. And that's the thing that I want to analyze and explore as a character, the contradictions of Felix as his aspirations and what it led him to were not things that were connected. Um, one, one thing that I did actually want to talk about on here, and uh, I'm sure you have a list of questions, is uh, Jamie is one character that I have a bit of an interesting tangent that you would like to hear. Definitely, yeah, actually. That, that was in my list of things we need to discuss. <laughs> Yeah, so Jamie is the uh, wife of the character Felix in game for your audience if they haven't uh, viewed it. And uh, Jamie has a very interesting origin for uh, how I came up with her characterization. Ja- Jamie at the start of the project was more of a more of a plot element, like um, more so to encourage Felix's plot exploration as opposed to an independent character on her own. As I kept writing Jamie, though, I had like an inclination to characterize him, though. And what, what I ended up settling on is Jamie is an amalgamation of some of the most important women in my life. Now, I won't name them by name here because, you know, the, the, it's separate from my work. But like uh, a part of her that you'll find in like my, my wonderful mother, uh, some of the, my close personal friends. Uh, the character of Jamie is an amalgamation of some of the idealizations of a person that I have found. And in taking from that, I hope that I'll be able to make some of the beats about her character and some of the beats about her loss later on more effective. Right. We, we're experiencing that loss already through Felix, and, and we're watching it through Mars, of course. Um, and then we also have the child. That, again, we don't want to spoil too much about what happens with the baby or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But we, there we was can get that, to that. It's pretty uh, foreshadowed. It is. But there was that part where you come across the crib and it's heartbreaking. And it's just sitting there and you're just like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, um, will we will we is there any redemption for his family or, or, or are they beyond saving at this point? Uh, I, I won't I won't give any uh, notes there in okay. particular to that because I don't right. want to spoil it. What I will say is that I do, it, in the intro bit, you see a summation of the thematic elements that I explore in Artie Mars. Mm-hmm. And one of those questions is about both would you, forgiveness for both yourself and others. Right. And that's something that the player will have to come, out, come about in their own questions towards the ending. Mm-hmm. Artie Mars, while it's not a game about player freedom, it's a game about player agency. And that's something right. that will be more led throughout in the finishing bits of Artie Mars. Yeah. 
and then of course identity is a really big part of this too because mm-hmm. um I, is it okay to mention the relationship between mars and felix and identity that, that's perfectly fine okay i want to make sure we do that so mars is a piece of felix's mind correct yes okay will we see the two develop away from each other I, I, again no spoilers but is that kind of the point is to see how these two develop away from each other as they're separated mm-hmm. so uh there's there's one bit in the game where uh, you're talking to uh soot man let's call him that, yeah. that one i don't want to get into because there's a lot of stuff i want to do with him later oh yeah but one of the lines that he says i'll paraphrase here is that mars is separate from felix in the fact that he doesn't have felix ambition because he doesn't know the world he yeah. doesn't have his flaws because he doesn't have felix's ambition and he doesn't have the misery of felix because he never knows what his ambition will lead him to and in that you see that the characterization of mars is it both connected to Felix, but I, I hope to try to connect about Mars's individuality, even though he is a piece of Felix's mind. I tried to, I'm, I intend for him to be a separate character. I see. Okay. And then that lack of ambition that he has, is that similar to a, a lack of humanity or is it a lack of? The, the way I like to imagine it is that of a child. Now, uh, through context clues, you could probably pick up that Mars hasn't been around for very long. Right, right. He is, he is a new creation. And while, if, you know, I would imagine, like, you have characters be like, what's that, Mars? So he's, you know, verbal, mm-hmm. but not necessarily complete as an individual. That's one story arc I intend to complete on, to, for Mars to assume his humanity, for him to fully internalize his passion. Okay. You know, there's some lines of dialogue that try to, like, get home at Mars's apathy towards uh, his current state of affairs. Not because he's, like, lazy or anything. He just doesn't have context to try to pursue something. And he's been told, go collect scrap metal. So, it's, you know, okay, fine. I'm a robot. What, what do I care? Yeah. And that that's something that I will try to connect to and challenge later on. That was what I was concerned or, or wondering about, was whether or not, uh, these were things he was just designed to not have if Felix had removed these from him because he didn't like the ambition that he had within himself and he tried to make a better version of himself or if there were things that he would eventually develop over time, probably as Felix had himself as well. You know, mm-hmm. uh, well, you know art, art is open to interpretation and I actually do like that interpretation. But at least at, when writing it, I, I, in my mind, I view herbalites, which is the process by which, you know, a man can become a machine or cop- copy his mind into a machine. Mm-hmm. I imagine it as a very limited process where you basically roll a craft shoot and hope the human comes out at the other end, basically yeah. functional, not necessarily to be toyed with. So Mars will carry many of the flaws of Felix. And Mars, I, from my understanding, or from what I can tell, is not the first attempt at this, correct? Uh, I, so at the beginning, you see uh, Generation 226, which yeah. uh, the, the way I imagine it is uh, Felix is constantly trying to perfect Mars in some way, like putting him through AI training. Again, it's very limited. I imagine uh, the, the, this might be giving away a little bit too much, but... I, Whatever you you got you guys have been good to me. Uh, the trailer <laughs> for Artie Mars, I envisioned it as Felix talking to him on the first generation. The dialogue in there, I see. So and Mars, I 
I don't envision him changing much from generation one to 226, partially because of how limited the Herbalite AI stuff is. Right. In my vision of the world, anyway. Okay. So uh, the trailer could pro- provide some context to each for that. Yeah. So, and this is, this is something that I'm sure will be told to the story, but there's something that's missing that he keeps making new versions of Mars. There's something that Felix is trying to, I'm, I'm imagining as a player, that mm-hmm. Felix you're on, is trying you're on to track. You're on the yeah, right track. Felix is trying to create the perfect version of Mars, and so I'm wondering how far away the one we're playing is compared to what the goal is. You know, so there's so many mysteries and so many questions that are going on, and it's hard to to pin down uh, what's going on. For for that, I will say uh, the intro bit to Artie Mars, the one where you're in, you're, you talk to the one guy and you destroy the beds. Yeah, that will be more important later on than basically okay. any other thing you're introduced to throughout the game. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I just thought that was kind of the tutorial and how to do things. And mm-hmm. here's that much more important. Okay. That's great. Okay. All right. Uh, and then let's go into the, some of the, the visuals here, the design here. Um, it's it's these, this pixel art that you have going on here. Uh, mm-hmm. The pixel, the art part of it, was that inspired by anything? Um, I would say that the one inspiration might be uh, Undertale. I like how, in a lot of ways, that the art was left to uh, m- more so simplified to, you know, You've seen you've seen older games that they're more comfortable with being able to let the player project onto what certain elements might mean. Right. Like you, like in the Felix Sprite, what he has for a mouth is just two skin tiles. He doesn't have a well-defined mouth. Right. And even pixel art games that are like were made in 2015 or whatever, they have more of a desire to fill in those details. Where something from the 80s, even you know, I my criticisms of you know retro stylization. Mm-hmm. I tried, I tried to make it more so in the styles of genuine 80s pixel art as opposed to, you know, the modern interpretation right. thereof. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our technology today, we're able to add shading and, and uh, opacity and stuff like that that just didn't exist back then that can give so much more detail. But you're sticking to the true form. It actually feels like I'm putting in that floppy disk into the old PC and hearing those sounds as it fires up. Well, it's, um, it's a lot easier for me, but I did try to restrain myself at certain bits because I do have that implication, that desire to try and like, let's give Felix a mouth so I can give some more expressions. But yeah, that's not what I'm, ho- hopefully I won't cave on that, which yeah. I've been able to manage so far. Oh, well, there's always there's always the next game, right? That you could always, all right, next one, we're going full mouth design. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. That's my response. We're going full mouth. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I really enjoyed playing uh, RD Mars. When do we think it can be available for everybody to pick up? Um, I'm thinking sometime late this year, maybe a uh, holiday season. Holiday uh, season. Okay. This is one thing I uh, I do get asked about for my limited following. It's just like, when when's the game going to be out? And uh, ultimately, I, I think that RD Mars is something a little bit more special than other things I've worked on before. Mm-hmm. And, I, and this time, I'm going to try to spend as much time in playtesting and editorial process as possible to make sure it's really perfect by the time yeah. it comes out. But even with those limitations, uh, I spend a lot of time on game development. So we'll, uh, I'll probably be hoping for a Christmas release this year. Okay. Um, and, and your goal is to be out on Steam, right? Like you are with Lucid? Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, it'll almost certainly be on Steam. It's that okay. I, uh, I might try to do a mobile thing this time. Um, we'll, we'll see yeah. how that goes. The text, I might have to do something about the text. 
But but the play style, I think, would do really well on mobile. I think that might be a good market there for you. Mm-hmm. you know, again, another thing about restraints, you uh, have a desire to like put in a whole bunch of key bindings for uh, different games. But a lot of times, what the important thing to do is try to exercise a little bit of restraint with those and to right. limit the player mobility in service of that primary loop as opposed to throwing a whole bunch of stuff on there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're... you're it may feel limiting, but it's it's meant to show an experience that you're trying to deliver. And so they just got to hold tight and learn. And that's one thing I tell you, there are so many times where it's like, how can I do this better? And it's just, look, you have to die and come back and you have to do it enough times till you're a master at it. And then you're fine. <laughs> it just takes that practice. That makes me so happy to hear because a lot of the <laughs> games I've had before have been difficult, but not engaging in that way. Yeah. Which is something I tried to break through with Hardy Mars. A lot of the feedback I've been getting is it's so hard, but I, I hate it and I love it. I'm just, yeah. Well, and you're, but the nice thing too is, is you could feel yourself getting better at it because like when you die, you don't go back to the last guy you killed. You go back to the beginning and you're so much faster as you go to where you're like, okay, yeah, kill this guy. Okay. Kill that guy. Things you couldn't do before you're doing much faster now because you have become more skilled as you play, which mm-hmm. I think is part of that player loop, the game loop that, some games just don't capture and you already have. So that's that's a good sign for the early part of the game that that's already in there. I'm flattered. Thank you so much. <laughs> of course. So um, we're we're going to have the link to, what is it called? Itch.io, you said? Itch.io, yes. Itch.io. It's, uh, it's a very easy platform to get on. Not a lot of uh, restraint, but I'm just trying to demo work it right now. Of course. Well, you guys can try out the demo. What I had streamed on Monday, you guys could try that out. Uh, we'll also put a link to the uh, Lucid Parables of the Ubermensch. I love that name. Uh, that's on Steam right now, guys. So you guys go check that out as well uh, and, and help out Ty. So, Ty, I appreciate you coming on, man. It's been really great talking to you. It's been fantastic. Thank you, Frank. Of course. All right, guys, uh, stick around all week long. We're going to be talking about E3 and getting hyped about the video games uh, yet to be announced. All right. Thank you, guys. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye.